the the symbolism and the and the metaphors and looking at what these experiences in nature can can teach us about ourselves and our lives and the world around us and 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 so I said all right well let's let's make a show that does that does that that weaves all those things together <laughs> and so that's how, that's how we got to out there This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we hear stories of adventure from every corner of the planet. We interview all sorts of folks who are using their sport to explore the world around them and give you the inspiration you need to get out there and have some fun. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Mason Gravely, and uh, today's a brand new episode. We're talking to Willow Belden, who quit her job with NPR to through hike the Colorado Trail. And not just that, because that's not an extremely long experience, you know, five weeks or so. But she used the adventure to kind of be a pivotal moment in her life to to, to kind of have the before the Colorado Trail and after the Colorado Trail experience. And so she used this adventure to give her life some space and see what she could create with it next. And so what came after that uh, was finding um, and starting the Out There podcast. And so you you may have heard of Out There. It's a really big show. It's a great show. And it's more storytelling rather than interviews with guests like we do on the show. So I really encourage you to go check out Out There. Uh, it's a great show. I really enjoy listening to it. And I, I think you'll really enjoy listening to Willow's story. So Willow, thank you again for being on. And without further ado, here is her story. All right, folks, welcome to today's episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast. I'm pretty excited about this episode because it's, uh, it's a fellow podcaster, of all things. You know, we get those every once in a while, more and more, as more people start their own show, but very few successful podcasters we get to have. <laughs> so <laughs> Willow Belden is joining us today. Willow, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And so, you know, as folks heard in the intro, you host Out There and you've been doing that for a handful of years now. But, uh, you know, before you got into all that, I'd love to jump all the way back and hear kind of, you know, just quickly, like, where'd you grow up? What did you grow up doing in the outdoors? Because it's always interesting to hear people who end up in the outdoors for a living. Sometimes it starts out that way. Sometimes it's just total opposite with their childhood. What What was it for you? <laughs> yeah, well, I come from New York City, which is not necessarily known for being the most outdoorsy place. Right. Um, but uh, but there was always the outdoors was always part of my life growing up. Um, our family had a, a cabin up in Maine on a lake. Uh, my grandparents had bought land up there way back when it was dirt cheap and built this cabin. And um so all throughout uh, elementary school and high school, even even into college, um, I would often spend summers up there kayaking and hiking and just playing around the woods. So I think a general love of the outdoors got instilled there, um, but it didn't it didn't really sort of take on 
the the kind of proportions that it has now until I moved out west, um, which I did. Uh, I had just finished grad school and I got a job with Wyoming Public Radio, which is the NPR station up in Wyoming. And uh, I didn't really know anything about Wyoming at the time. But I figured, well, it's a good job. I will go out there for a year or two and uh, then probably move back to the East Coast. And here I am still in Wyoming nine years later. So I love it here. Wow. Where was the job based in in Wyoming? Because I'm sure that could make a big difference. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Uh, I was in Laramie, which is um, where the University of Wyoming is. So it's a college town. And, um, you know, it's not one of those picturesque mountain towns that that becomes a tourist destination it's much more sort of down to earth little rough around the edges but also you know has a has a wonderful vibrant community so it's been a great place to live i was just in laramie uh heck like a month ago on a cross-country bike ride of all things Um, oh wow kind of a weird time but i have a good friend in cheyenne same thing Finished grad school, finished you know, finished school, and took a job working for the newspaper in Cheyenne, and uh, <laughs> she's still there too. So it must be something about just drawing people out there and keeping them. Uh, that's really interesting. So you went out there, didn't know much, and you joined uh, Wyoming Public Radio. What was that experience like? Because that that's it sounded like at the time it was a dream job for you. Just um, didn't know much about the place itself, but the job itself seemed like really what you were shooting for. It was. It was. I mean, I had always grown up listening to NPR. It was my mom had it on in like every room of the house Um, (laughs) when I was growing up. She would she would wake up and she would turn. She had you know, that was back before smartphones and stuff. And so you listened on actual radios and she had a physical radio in I really think every room of the house, including the bathroom, so that wherever she would move around the house, there would be morning edition would be playing. And so I think it just got, I don't know, I didn't really have a choice in the matter. Um, but uh, but I kind of came to aspire to to reporting for public radio. Um, and so then I, I had, I worked my way up to it. I had uh, worked for some smaller newspapers um, and then went to grad school for journalism and focused on radio. Um, and then, yeah, the the job at Wyoming Public Radio really was wh- exactly what I wanted. It was I was reporting and also hosting. Um, so I got experience putting together news stories, being live live on air, um, editing, d- you know, doing the whole the whole thing. We had a lot of freedom to pursue stories that excited us. Um, and we also had a really a really wonderful team. It was a small newsroom, so we all did a lot and we worked hard. And I loved my colleagues and I loved my boss. And it was, you know, in many ways, it was exactly what a job is supposed to be. It's, you know, you you have wonderful people that you work with and you feel like your work is meaningful and it's different every day and it's creative and um, people get to know your name and all of that. But it wasn't I didn't love it enough to make it worth the amount of stress that it was. Um, you know, I think news n- jobs in, in, in the broadcast industry are pretty, <laughs> pretty high powered. A lot of deadlines that are uh, very, very exacting. Um, I mean, if your deadline is 4 p.m., you can't be done at 4.01. Um, and 
it was and I, I just I didn't love it quite enough to make it worth it. But I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do instead. And I think that's a that's something that a lot of people run into. Like you you feel like it's not whatever you're doing isn't quite the right fit, but you don't know what would be a better fit. And I finally got to the point where I said, I think I need to just get away from everything for a little bit so that I can figure that out. And so I ended up quitting my wow. job and going and doing a through hike. <laughs> right, right, at the Colorado Trail of all things. Well, let me let me ask you this: what What about the world? I obviously, no, nothing against NPR. I, I'm a huge listener. What, what 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 are some maybe misconceptions about that world that you that you just didn't see on the outside? Like, is it the deadlines probably being the biggest one, or something else? I don't know that it was that I had misconceptions about what the job would entail. I think I had misconceptions about what I would like as, as a job. Mm. Um, because, and, and I also had, I had a very rigid sense of what it meant to be a journalist and what was a, an acceptable job as a journalist. And I thought you had to be like a, a hard hitting news reporter. And that was the only in my mind, that was like the only the only path, the only track, the only destination was to be doing that kind of thing. And in the end, it turned out that that wasn't what I enjoyed most about it. I love telling stories and I love working with audio, but I didn't enjoy news reporting as much. I much more enjoy doing what I'm doing now, which is more in-depth sort of contemplative personal stories. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't a misconception about what the job was. It was, you know, I think I think I had pretty accurate ideas of what I was getting myself into. I just may, maybe didn't know or maybe hadn't accepted that what I was going to enjoy doing wasn't that job. So what was the ultimate, I don't know, what, what what made you say, okay, because of all this, it's not right for me. I'm going to go do something vastly different, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I, I remember at the time, um, I, I just kept having this, this quote that kept kind of running through my mind and it was it was a quote that went, and I, I may get it slightly wrong, but basically the gist of it was, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. And I thought, yeah, that's where I'm headed. Like I wasn't quite in the in the in the desperation phase really, but um, but I but I said, you know, if I just keep doing this because that's what you do, that's where I'm going to end up, and that's not what I want out of life. Um, so that had been kind of kicking around in my head and it, several things came together kind of at the at the same point. One was that I read Wild by Cheryl Strayed, which at this point every, everybody's read Wild by Cheryl Strayed, but it was new at that point. And uh, I immediately just had this this reaction to it of like, oh, I need to go do that. And I mean, in case anyone hasn't read it, the the premise of it is is this woman who um, her mother dies and she uh, gets a divorce and she's and her life is totally unhinged and she goes and hikes the Pacific Crest Trail and kind of figures her, her life out through that. Um, and it's a wonderful book. And uh, and so I, I remember reading this. My, my book club had suggested reading it. And 
I remember starting the book, you know, reading in bed one evening, and I, I must have stayed up until like four in the morning reading it and just sobbing my way through the first few chapters because they hit home so acutely. And and I and I remember thinking, okay, I this is what I think this is what I need to do because I don't want to be heading in this quiet desperation. Um, you know, that's not what I want. And maybe what I need is just to leave everything behind for a little while and go on a big adventure and, uh, you know, have some time to myself to to think deep thoughts and, and figure things out. And I was not a backpacker at all then. I had never, I mean, I really, I was totally new at it. So uh, I, I'm not entirely sure what made me think that this was a feasible option, but it just felt so viscerally right that I just, could, once the, once I got the idea in my head, I just couldn't let go of it. So, you know, you have this idea, you have this realization, you you want to do this. What what were the most influential people in your life saying about this, if you were communicating it with them? It was interesting. There was a general generational divide. I would say that people my age, uh, so friends who were in their 20s and 30s at that point were quite supportive of it. And they all thought, oh, yeah, that sounds great. Um, you should totally go do it. People of my parents' generation, um, and, and my parents weren't alive at this point, so they they didn't get a chance to weigh in on this. But um, but I remember having a conversation with my uncle at one point about it when I was first thinking about it. And he said, well, you know, are you sure it's a good idea? Because you're, you're you're proposing quitting your job and you don't have a new job lined up for afterwards. You don't know what you're going to do afterwards. You're going to have this gap in your resume. That might not look good. Um, so there was there was some skepticism there. It wasn't, you know, nobody said, no, don't do this. It's a terrible idea. But there was definitely a little bit more hesitancy, I would say, amongst um, amongst people who were a little older than me. And I kind of, I mean, my response to that was sort of, well, if somebody doesn't hire me because I through hiked the Colorado Trail, I don't want to work for them. Right, right. <laughs> you know, that's just not the right company for me. So I went ahead with it. That's just so interesting. You know, it, it, as I get older, I can see both sides. I don't know if you can. Um, I'm sure you can. You can see, like I'm sure at the time, even it was like, you know, I I see I see where you, where you're what you're coming from. But that that quiet desperation when you when you sit and think about that, it, it really can encourage you to say, you know, what what really all is is all this for? It's 500 miles to do the Colorado Trail. It's it's a month or two of my life. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm setting out to walk across, you know, a continent necessarily for years or something. It's it's something that can really shake up your life. But, you know, not being experienced either had to be just such a a crazy idea. What, you know, what, what was it like when you finally decided I'm going to do this? Uh, I don't know. What Did it feel liberating at all? What was that feeling like? And then what was it like to, to plan for and to go for it? It did feel liberating. I think it was also, it was scary and liberating at the same time. And it it took me a while to muster up the gumption to actually quit my job to tell my boss I was leaving. Um, Because it's just something that you're not supposed to do, right? Like you have a really good job that 
checks all the boxes and gives you a stable income and you like where you live and you like your colleagues. And so um, it, yeah, it, it did great. take a while. <laughs> yeah, right. Like it took a while to, to say, OK, no, really, I'm going to I'm I'm just I'm quitting. And I remember when I told my boss um, that I was going to be leaving, I, I go into his office and I, I tell him about my plan to to hike this trail. And he he looks at me like there's this pause and he looks at me and he's like, so you're leaving us to go take a walk in the woods? And wow. I was like, uh, well, yeah, I mean, pretty much that that is, in fact, the plan. <laughs> and it was just it was not what most people, you know, because people would leave the radio station, but usually they would leave to go take another public radio job at a bigger station, you know, in a bigger city somewhere. So this was a little bit out of the ordinary. But um, but preparing for it, I mean, my I, I didn't have backpacking experience. I had only gone backpacking a handful of times, and I had never gone by myself. And they had always been really short trips, you know, one or two nights. So I did what I kind of always do when I, when I don't know anything about a topic, is I, I just read a lot of books about backpacking and about through hiking. And I re did a ton of research on gear to try and figure out what I would need. Um, and it, that worked out pretty well. I mean, I have to say, I think, you know, one of the questions I often get is, well, what did you do wrong on that on that hike? Because people assume that if you're going into this as a newbie, you're going to do a lot of stuff wrong. And, you know, I don't I didn't I didn't bring too much stuff. I didn't pack the wrong things. I I had done a lot of research and and it paid off. Um, the trip was very difficult for other reasons, but not because I hadn't done my research. So that was it was sort of a bookish kind of uh, preparation period. Do you do you, what do you tell people now when it comes to? You know, I feel like I'd like to do something like this. How, how much do I need to prepare, uh, especially for something solo? That's that's you know, uh, you did it when what five weeks? Um, that's not that's not that's not a weekend. You know, it's not six <laughs> months, but it's pretty much the same as six months in the sense of the lifestyle. It's just an, on a longer scale. You know what I mean? I, I, you're really into the through hiking experience after just a few days, in my opinion. And so, anything longer than that. Uh, it is pretty much just the same thing, just more days of it, if that makes sense. Uh, so you, yeah. so you are, you know, absolutely a through hiker with that experience. But what, what do you tell people about being prepared for something like that? Hmm. People haven't asked me about that that much. Uh, I mean, in general, I, 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 I encourage people to to go for it if they want to do a if they want to do a through hike and they really feel a sense of personal urgency for it, go for it you're not you're not going to regret it um and it'll probably do wonderful things for you um but in terms of preparation i do think that it is it is helpful to to prepare and to know what you're getting into and to know what you need i actually think it's it, you know it can be a little bit reckless if you go into the backcountry for a long period of time and and don't have the things you need because then if something goes wrong you're very reliant on other people um, who might then have to put themselves at risk to help you. Um, so I think it's important to to understand that you know how to be self-sufficient. Um, but I don't, 
don't think you have to do the level of research <laughs> I did. I mean, if you do some things wrong and you bring some of the wrong gear, it kind of makes for good stories afterwards. People figure it out. You don't have to like, you know, have a whole bookshelf on on how to do a through hike the way I did. I just like to plan things. It makes me feel a little bit more in control. Right, right. So, so you know, speaking of that, what why why the Colorado Trail of all things and not something maybe longer to give you more time to think? You know, because mm. I wasn't sure if I would like it. <laughs> <laughs> I had never done it. I had, I had initially thought. I mean, I had been looking at at, at some of the longer trails, and I had thought about, wow, well, do I want to do a little bit of the AT or the PCT? Um, and I didn't really want to do the Appalachian Trail because uh, I don't really like hiking in the rain, and I don't really like hiking in the mosquitoes and. I like to have views. So the Appalachian Trail didn't seem like maybe the best fit for me. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I considered some of the other trails, but really it was, I mean, I I, joke, I I say that jokingly that I didn't know if I would like it, but I really didn't know if I would like it. And so uh, this seemed like a good way to get my feet wet and try it out. It seemed like it would be long enough to, to sort of get, let myself press reset and... Um, and figure some things out, but it wouldn't be so long that if I really hated it, I'd be, you know, in it for six months. So you, you get out there, and um, from what I remember you saying, you, you did have a lot of rain uh, that you didn't really, didn't <laughs> really did. want, and uh, and there wasn't as much time to think throughout the day that you would hope to to figure your life out after the trail. Um, I'm not sure if I remember that correctly, but you, you could you touch on that a little. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes, there was a lot of rain, much more than I expected. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you deal with it. Um, but yeah, the the thinking, I mean, I think I had I had imagined myself walking along, uh, you know, on, on, on these alpine ridges through the Rockies, just thinking deep thoughts all day. And what I found, and I think this was true for a lot of through hikers, too, a, a lot of us talked about this, is that you didn't really spend a whole lot of time thinking deep thoughts. I'm not sure that I really had hardly any deep thoughts the whole time because it's through hiking's heart. Like there's, I had blisters on my feet and there was rain and there were, there were mosquitoes. I mean, maybe not on the level that the Appalachian trail would have them, but there were bad mosquitoes and there were hailstorms and there were lightning storms and, you know, my sleeping pad broke and you had to figure out whether you had enough water to get to the next water source and all these things. Um, and so I found myself much more focusing just on, what was actually just going on around me, the very mundane tasks of doing a through hike. And I, di- I didn't spend a lot of time, you know, there w- there was no like moment on a mountaintop where the clouds parted and I was like, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. <laughs> that that didn't happen. But I don't think it's necessary because um, what, e- what ended up happening was almost better because I think uh, even though I didn't have the deep thoughts on the trail, I was creating a, a mental space for myself, and I didn't know that at the time, but I think I, I gave myself, my mind, a little bit of freedom. Um, and so what ended up happening was that after I got done with the trail, I, I, I got home, and a few days after getting home, 
I the pieces started falling into place. And that's when I started having more of the, <laughs> the sort of life realizations where I said, oh, OK, I don't want it. This I mean, for the first time, I, I allowed myself to admit that I didn't actually want to go back to news reporting. I still wanted to work in audio. I still wanted to tell stories, but I didn't want to go back to doing daily news. And and I let myself, you know, not just think that, but say that and admit it to people. So the realizations happened right after the trip. And I think that's true for a lot of people that you don't necessarily you're in the you're in the middle of the adventure while the adventure is happening. And it's then afterward that your mind is able to to think about what's next. And what were some of those things? You had the realization that you you didn't want to go back into daily news. What what's what started getting you know becoming put together in your mind at that point? Well, I, that's I had had the idea for some sort of an outdoorsy podcast for a while, um, but I hadn't really done anything about it because I didn't. I didn't have a clear focus in mind, and I also, when I had a full-time job, I just didn't really have time to, to pursue it. And and so now I, things sort of started clicking into place. I said, okay, I still want to do audio. I still want to tell stories. I don't want to do news. I had this idea for an outdoorsy podcast. Also, like I think you know, having had this big long five-week experience in the outdoors, um, yeah, I've seen that that nature can kind of be a good way for a good lens for for figuring things out and you know maybe stories of the outdoors can do that also um and so i said okay can like let's see what we can let's let's try and put some of these things together um and that's when i started uh coming up with sort of conceptualizing what out there might look like and and it was it was one of those things where you know there were already a lot of other outdoorsy and adventure related podcasts out there and I wasn't I didn't want to do something that someone else was already doing um, and also what interested me most about the outdoors and stories of the outdoors was not so much just the pure raw adventure but more the the life lessons and the 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 symbolism and the and the metaphors and looking at what these experiences in nature can can teach us about ourselves and our lives and the world around us and 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 so I said all right well let's let's make a show that does that does that that weaves all those things together <laughs> and so that's how, that's how we got to out there that's fantastic. Now, now, how did you start? What did you start? What, what did you start with your own story? You know, did you just did you knew you knew about the gear? You knew about storytelling, and you and you had that passion in place. Where did it go from there? Did you did you start telling people about this? How how did you process all that? I actually did not start with my own story, although perhaps I should have. But um, the journalist in me, it, it didn't occur to me that that was an option. Really, um, I don't think. Right. <laughs> I was like, no, no, you tell other people's stories. That's the way this works. So uh, so that's what I started with. And um, the very first story we did was about uh, a scientist up here in Wyoming who went and lived with a herd of deer and basically like tried to become a deer. <laughs> and you listen to this, you know, on the face of it, it wow. sounds kind of goofy. But, um, but I went to interview him and I spent 
you know, all afternoon with him. Um, and he lives in this house out just nestled beneath the, the Wind River Range. And, um, and his yard is just chock full of deer. They just wander around, wander right up to him, eat out of his hand and whatnot. Um, they're very much his friends. But so I had interviewed him. I interviewed him and, and realized, okay, there's a lot more to this than it's, this isn't just, you know, some, some goofy guy. Um, this is actually, he's really trying to understand their behavior and understand their thought processes. And, and his point was kind of, you know, a lot of times we, we think of science as, as, as being sort of very, very objective, very, very just like, let's look at the cold, hard facts. And you try to, you try to leave emotion out of it. Um, and, you know, you're not supposed to get attached to your research subjects. And, and, and his point was sort of, you know, you miss some things that way. There are things that you actually learn by becoming close to the things you're studying that you would never learn otherwise. And, and, and so we maybe shouldn't have quite such a, a rigid view of, of how science works and what the, what the process should be like. Um, so that was the very first story we did, and it kind of set the scene for, um, for h- how we conceptualize stories now. Where I'm always looking for, you know, the story has to has to be about the outdoors in some respect, but it also has to be about some broader social question or scientific question or psychological question, and and kind of delve into how how we function as humans and how we operate in the world and 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 what our place is. Did this pursuit solve that, what you were trying to find by waking up and being excited in the morning for what you were doing? Uh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. I, uh, I love what I do now. It is, it's, 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 it's wonderful. Um, and I'm actually largely in a lot of what I do is editing at this point. Um, many of our stories are done by freelance producers from around the around the country and around the world even. And so a lot of what I do is help them turn their ideas into into stories and 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 help them focus and help them, you know, figure out what the narrative is and, and really hone them, them. And what I've discovered is that I really love doing that. I actually like the editing more than I like writing my own stories. Um, hmm. Okay. Wow. So I might have to and, like it, I guess. <laughs> and it's a, re- yeah, it's been really fun. It's a very collaborative process. Um, and I learn a lot along the way. I think other people learn a lot along the way. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's times where I, I really miss having a steady paycheck and uh, benefits and, you know, all of that. But I love what I do. And this was back in 2015 that that you started out there. Uh, yeah, I started out there in 2015. And it wasn't, I didn't, I don't know that I fell in love with it right away. I, it was a bit of an uphill battle initially. Um, you know, it's hard getting, when you're starting out from scratch it's hard building up listeners and getting people to know about your show and figuring out I mean I knew how to do audio stories but I didn't know anything about business and here I was trying to you know start a podcast and turn it into a business that would eventually you know be financially solvent and um so that was really hard and it's still really hard and you know but again 
the the actual craft of what we're doing is I love it more than I thought you could love a job. So that's worth something. Absolutely. A- absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I, I love that when you, when you went out on the Colorado trail, you, you, you read, you did some research, lots of research, lots of reading, and then you just went for it. Did it feel similar in this way to start the podcast and to make it financially um, stable? You know, I know that probably ebbs and flows like any other, <laughs> any other thing you start, but from your perspective, did, did, that initial adventure give you this confidence to walk into this and say, I'm, I'm going to figure this out too. Yes, uh, 100%. It was, um, I I tend to be the kind of person who, like, I, wa- I don't like being a beginner. I, and maybe nobody does, but I think some people dislike it less than others. I really don't like being a beginner. I like to be good at things. And so when you're starting <clears throat> something new, you by definition are not good at it. Like that's just right. how it you works. Are, you are a beginner. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and and so, but um, what I reminded when I was thinking about launching a podcast and, and, you know, going into this whole unknown realm, what I said to myself was, okay, you didn't know how to do a through hike either before you hiked the Colorado Trail. You barely knew how to go backpacking, but you figured it out. Like you you wanted to do it and you wanted it enough that it was worth putting in the time to research it and do your homework and figure it out. And I I mean, I remember very literally having that conversation with myself as I was thinking, but I don't know how to start a podcast and I don't know how to run a business. And it was like, well, yeah, okay, so figure it out. Like, do some research, talk to people who know what to do, get people on your on your side and uh, and try it. Give it a shot. Do you feel like that has served you well most of the time and growing this show and building it to what it's become? I think it's very necessary. I don't think you can start something new without being willing to try things you don't know how to do. Um, <laughs> I mean, maybe that's obvious, but um, but yeah, I think I think it has served me well, and I I think I still tend to be more cautious than I should be um, from a business perspective. But I try to take the approach of you know, let, let's let try things. Let's see where they go. If they don't work out, well, then we move on. And I think it's a good philosophy for, for life. Absolutely. You started the show in 2015. That actually is when this show started too, February of 2015. And, you know, the world of podcasting has changed a lot <laughs> in five years. <laughs> and uh, and I, I, I'm sure you've seen shows just come and go. The The rise and the interest in podcasting it's like every other guest we have on now has their own show too. Um, you know, how have you been able to stay ahead of this giant curve of, of shows and also continue to just stay so consistent in creating a, a great show, a great product and something that, that people want to listen to? Well, I don't know if I've stayed ahead of the curve. <laughs> I've tried to keep <laughs> up with it. <laughs> Yeah, NPR has some pretty good shows, but you know what I mean. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's definitely some huge ones out there. But you know, you look up outdoor shows or adventure shows, and and consistently every every time I search, just checking in with the industry, yours is yours is right there at the top of the list, and uh, so it definitely has a, a strong listener base. 
Well, I think there are a couple of things that I did. One was I've been very clear from the beginning, very clear with myself that I wasn't going to sacrifice quality for quantity. Um, And it was important to me to really put time and effort into our stories. And that means you can't do as many stories because they just take longer to put together. I mean, many of our episodes are in the works for several months before they actually air. And um, a lot of people early on were saying, oh, just, you know, do just do more interviews, do more things that don't take as much time, get more episodes out more frequently. And I just said, no, I don't want to do that. So um, I think that that helped in in the in the consistency of like in the quality consistency. And so our listeners realized, um, okay, if we tune in, we're going to get really carefully crafted stories. Um, So that was sort of on the content end of things. And on the other end of things, I I mean, I don't I don't have any magic recipe, but it was it was a couple of things were important to me. One was it was important to stay on schedule. So if like we we produce episodes every other week and we have never missed one. Um, And that I think the consistency of like, you know, it's going to be there. They're not going to, you know, we we don't miss we don't miss shows. (laughs) Um, That's been helpful. Um, But the biggest thing I think that has contributed to the show actually going somewhere is surrounding myself with other people who have skills and interests that I don't have. Um, Because and I think this goes for probably any business you're starting that I realized very early on that I didn't have the expertise or the know-how or the interest to really spend a ton of time figuring out how audience growth worked or figuring out how to sell ads or things like that. And so it was like, okay, well, then you need to have other people on your team who like doing that and um, and want to figure that out. And that's been great, uh, it, you know, just surrounding myself with people who are excited to do the things that I am not excited about. <laughs> um, and that's been very rewarding. But it is interesting. You're you're right um, in terms of that, you know, so much has changed in terms of podcasting in the last five years, because I remember when I started out there, if if I told people, oh, I host a podcast, often the question was, what's a podcast? And now. 100%. Yeah. And so that was that was five years ago. Now. I mean, I just <laughs> I just went on a date with somebody and I was telling my friends about it and I said, "Oh, you know, he didn't know what a podcast was." And all of my friends said, "How could you not know what a podcast is?" And I was wow. like, "Times have changed. This is like I wouldn't like my friends would not have had that response 5 years ago. It would have been like, "Oh, okay, so he doesn't know what a podcast is." So, I you thought know. you were going to say those same people are now saying, "Oh, I have a podcast too." <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. But but it was just it was just interesting to see that like the the shock at like how could you not know what a podcast is? is? Everybody is knows yeah. what podcasts are. So yeah, especially the folks you're going to be interacting with. Like I, you know, I'm from r- rural town. You know, definitely not podcast listeners, but all my family absolutely knows what it is now because I pretty much you know shove down their throat every time I'm around I'm like oh the podcast this that that and you know they they they've been exposed to it and so that that is how it grows but um 
it, it is interesting to see the growth over the last five years, really. And so, um, you know, you know, for I, I definitely, you know, I, you mentioned this, and I, I wanted to talk about this. It's always interesting to hear from someone who who works in the outdoor industry, uh, who tells stories about the outdoors. What what is it like to turn something? that you're passionate about into something that that is also a job. I know there's a lot that you got to be careful of and there's um, a lot of misconceptions, but, but how has that experience been for you to, to take this experience you had, this life-changing experience that really the, 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 it was the um, kind of the soil that this whole show grew out of. Uh, what is it like for you to kind of have to live this life in a totally different trajectory based on that adventure and kind of talk about adventure all the time for a job as well? I like that image. It was the soil that this show grew out of. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good question, though. Um, it's 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 tough because when you when you start doing something for when you start when your work is what you do for fun then you don't have any playtime anymore. Then everything becomes work. Um, and that I kind of figured out the hard way because what I started the podcast and I thought, oh, this is going to be great because, you know, I, I love the outdoors and this is what I do. For, you know, I, it's, it's so much fun. Um, and, and But then every time I went for a hike or a bike ride or went skiing or whatever, what what was then swirling around in my head was oh is there a way to turn this into a story what you know should we like right. should I be right. recording right now you know? taking pictures for social and yeah promoting and, in some way and it was and for a while I thought well I guess this is just how life is going to be now all right like <laughs> buckle up um, and then I remember at one point I was planning to go to Idaho to do this bike packing trip. Um, and in my mind, I was like, all right, I'm going to turn, you know, it's like I'm going to do like a little mini audio documentary about it. And I was going to take recording gear with me and, and all of that. And so I had started kind of preparing for that. And I was recording stuff as I was doing preparations and getting my bike all tuned up and ready and things like that. And it was just, I found that I was not looking forward to the trip anymore because it just felt like work. It didn't feel like, feel like it was going to be a vacation. And and that was sort of the point where I said, okay, I need to I need to draw a hard boundary here. There needs to be separation between work and fun. And uh, some of my trips can be work trips, but other ones really need to be vacation. And I need to leave the recording here at home and I need to leave my computer at home and I need to promise myself that it will not become a story <laughs> and at least not intentionally and uh and and just let myself off the hook for that and i have stood by that um since then and it, that that has been very necessary uh, you know and i'm sure other people run into this in whatever their field is that you know everybody says do what you love and and that and that's that's good advice but you also need to 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 recognize that that you need time where your brain is not thinking about work even if the work is fun. <laughs> so No, that's uh, you know, I, I I'm sort of I can be open about it on this show with with listeners, uh, you know, ever since taking on this role as as host and producer, yeah, my, my frequency of adventures is a lot lower. <laughs> and uh the uh you know, part of that is it you know, there is it definitely is positive in a lot of ways and negative in some 
because, you know, I don't get to do as many adventures now. And that's because I'm pretty bad at setting boundaries. I'll just work, 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 work. Uh, but the other part is, you know, the trade-off is I do get to talk to really incredible people like you and do get to talk to all these incredible folks. And I learn a lot from these people. And it's almost like this is just a time I'm in. You know what I'm saying? And so mm -hmm. I could definitely learn from you in that aspect about creating some healthier boundaries uh, to not working towards an inevitable, burn inevitable burnout or something like that. So, no, it's just uh, it's always interesting to talk to someone in the industry as well. Um, so, you know, you've seen a lot of a lot of growth over the last five years, a lot of success. I'm, no, I don't know how it feels to you. It sure seems like that. But you definitely one of the premier shows for the outdoors. You've been ranked, you rated the number one outdoor show on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you know, how, is this kind of, you know, the trajectory you were hoping for when you got off the trail? And uh, if not, what what is in the future for Willow? What what are you looking forward to, and what what are you hoping the next five years will bring for the show or for your life in general? Mm. Very very small question. <laughs> yeah, go big or go home, right? Um, <laughs> I mean, one of the big goals, sort of on a a business standpoint, is we're really trying to to grow our audience. We want more people to listen to the show. And part of that is just because you want more people to listen to the show. And part of that is because, you know, you can bring in more advertising revenue if, uh, if you have more listeners and, and I want to be able to pay my team well. And so, you know, it's, it, this is not me trying to get rich. This is me wanting to compensate people um, fairly for their time. Um, so we really are trying, you know, doing, doing some major efforts to, um, to try and reach new listeners who may not have heard about the show. One of the things that is, but on a, on a more sort of content level and a, and a bigger picture level, one of the things that I really am making an effort to do at this point is broaden the definition of what the outdoors is and what it means to people and who it's for. Because I think there's a lot of media coverage center about the outdoors centers around upper middle class white people. And, and, and I think that's a, you know, that's a, that's sort of a detrimental image that we have because it, it defines outdoor adventure very narrowly as being like, you know, mountain climbing and skiing and, you know, long distance cycling and, and, and all these things. And that leaves out a lot of experiences that I think can be extremely meaningful and that, frankly, are often more interesting stories. Um, you know, one of the things that we hear a lot from um, produce, from producers of color who do stories for us is that you know, they hear over and over again, the messaging that they get is the outdoors isn't for me, you know, and that's something white people do. And, and that sort of negates their own, or not negates, but it, it, it diminishes the, the, the sort of validity of their own experiences outdoors, and makes them feel like they're not, like they don't belong, and they're not welcome. And then, <laughs> you know, it just the cycle just kind of perpetuates itself. So, we're working really hard to try to tell um, stories that encompass a, a wider variety of experiences and perspectives and viewpoints and and sort of embrace this idea that 
that it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. Um, the outdoors should be equally accessible to everyone and or at least we would like to aspire to that and we want to we want to tell stories that that showcase that notion and that amplify voices amplify voices that are not often heard in outdoor media and that often get sidelined um so that's a big goal but hopefully we'll (laughs) we're making we're making strides with it do you have an example that that fits into that kind of overlooked either activity or sport or, or story? I mean, no spoilers, of course, but uh, something that listeners can can relate to. Yeah, um, for sure. We had a, a story a while back about a woman who is uh, she's Latina and she was adopted by white Jewish parents, um, and so. From day one, she's, you know, the question of identity and who you are and like how you fit in was always, always kind of front and center for her. And then she eventually sort of figures it out and and figures out who she wants to be. And then she realizes, oh, society isn't going to accept that. And so then she has this whole nother level of 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 trying to reckon with that. You know, and it gets to it, she eventually she ends up in a place where um, she, she's become an avid rock climber and, and super outdoorsy. And, you know, people know her as Nature Wendy because she's just outside all the time and doing all these outdoor things. But it was it was a, a process for her that really um, required not just figuring out, OK, I can do these things even though they are white people, you know, stereotypically white people things to do. But also, not only can I do these things, but I just have to be okay with the rest of the world not, I have to, I have to not care whether, what other people think about it. And that, so it was like a two-step process, challenges on both, on both levels. And I, you know, thought that was a really interesting story. Well, it sounds that out, out there, has uh you know now an even more new frontier to start exploring and start telling stories about which is has to feel exciting you know to 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 draw this you know full circle and all the way back uh, what what would you tell the person that that might be in a job kind of like you were in you know it's a great job on paper or life is good but there's this uh this this kind of simmering bubbling uh quiet desperation that they feel they're slipping into and uh, they they feel like they want to do something about, but maybe don't know what to do, where to go. Um, what are what is a quick reflection you could share with with yourself? You know, from five years ago. Hmm. It's a little more complicated in the middle of a pandemic and an economic slump. Uh, <laughs> is it? I mean. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If you'd asked me this last year, I would have probably said, yeah, quit your job. Go, go, go on an adventure. Figure it out. I don't know if that's the right thing to do now. Stability is kind of nice when the world is being turned upside down. I mean, and I also recognize that. um, So I I don't know if I have a clear cut answer for that. Um, I I, I, I also recognize that not everybody can afford to just pick up and leave. You know, that's a very privileged thing to be able to do. I had savings set aside that I was able to live off of while I, you know, went out and wandered around the woods. 
if you don't have that kind of cushion, it's a lot harder to, you know, it's a lot harder to quit a job. If you have family members relying on you, it's a lot harder to <laughs> to quit a job and leave everything behind. So I don't want to just, you know, cavalierly say, yeah, go quit your job. I, I don't think it's quite that simple. But I do think that even if you don't necessarily run away from everything, sometimes there's a way to 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 reshape what you're doing so that you're a little bit happier with it. And I realize that's not super concrete, but the quiet desperation doesn't go away. I mean, that's not something that is that's going to let up. So I guess the easy answer is if you have the means to do it, then then go do something different. And if you don't have the means to do it, maybe try to see if there's a way that you could shake up your life a little bit without throwing everything away that would mm-hmm. give you the the freedom to to have more experiences that, you know, light up your soul and <laughs> spend less time doing the job that leads to the quiet desperation. I don't know if that's a very satisfying answer. No, it is. It it is because we push on this show a lot that adventure can be had in between life and can be had in the the same soul-changing eye-opening experiences that you can have on a six-month through hike you can have uh after your nine to five from five to nine you know we we i I, some of my most eye-opening experiences were overnight trips you know so it's we believe that those that the power of the outdoors and the power of nature can be had anywhere in the world and for any amount of time even as simple as sitting under a tree and just just watching it you know absolutely Sometimes that's all you need but uh uh willow i i'm gonna plug everything for out there if there's anything besides that that you'd like to share please share uh and i really appreciate you being on the show um but yeah if there's anything besides that you'd like to plug go for it i think you've got it um i i, pr- I really appreciate the the opportunity to come on yeah, and thank you for you know telling the stories. I'm going to definitely ask our listeners to check out your show as well. Uh, you know, it's so different from this show in a lot of ways, and so so uh, so enjoyable. We've had a lot of the same guests, and people share their stories back and forth. So it's uh, it's been cool to see y'all grow uh, kind of kind of out there in Wyoming and, and and all over the place. So yeah, thanks for joining the Adventure Sports Podcast. It's a really fun fun crossover. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right, have a great evening. We'll we'll talk soon. Okay, sounds good. And I will uh, I'll send you the audio I recorded. Feel free to use it or not, but it should be nice and clean. So if it's oh, helpful. That, that is super helpful. Thank you so much. You're welcome much. to it. Yeah, just all whenever right. you get to it would be great. All right. Sounds great. Thanks so much. All right. Bye. All right, bye. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun. <laughs>